Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. My name is Garrett. I'm the worship pastor here at Spring Hills, and today we've got a very special episode for you. So far on the Spring Hills Podcast, we've had interviews displaying mostly positive experiences, things like church planting, joining a small group, the joys of participating in a big event like Project Serve, you know, things like that. But today, our topic is something that no one actually hopes to participate in. But by the end of most of our lives, we'll probably have done so several times. So that's why we found it so important to not only dive into this topic, but give an opportunity to share the wisdom from those who've already walked down this exact road. Dealing with the loss of a loved one is never for the faint of heart. So that's why today I've brought with me two people that have experienced the loss of a loved one and would love to share with you their story, things that they've learned, the wisdom they've gained by walking down this road and having God alongside them the entire time. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So I hope you are encouraged by this episode today. So welcome, Maureen Porter and Caitlin Elliott, and let's get to this conversation about dealing with the loss of a loved one. So today we're talking about dealing with the loss of a loved one. And I've brought with me two people that have personally dealt with loss in their life. And first of all, we have Maureen Porter. And Maureen, you are uh, part of the grief, or you lead the grief share here at Spring Hills. So you've got a couple different things that you do with that. Uh, Why don't you tell us just a small bit about yourself and your experience here at Spring Hills, how long you've been here, what your role is on these teams. I lead Grief Share. I led it the last three seasons. Unfortunately, we had to take a break because of COVID this season, but we will get back to it in January. Um, it's how to deal with the loss of any loss. I also am a Stephen minister. I've been at Spring Hills for two and a half years. I came here from Silicon Valley where I lived with my late husband. Um, he was ill for three years, and during that time, I knew that he needed help. So I got him a therapist, and I got him a Stephen minister. Oh. And I myself— uh, what, Was the Stephen minister here at this church, or did you say it was a different church? This was through Menlock Park Presbyterian oh, Church, okay. the big church. Yeah. And so I got him a Stephen minister, and then I realized I need a Stephen minister. Mm. So for the two years before he passed away, I had a Stephen minister. He had one, and it was a tremendous asset to get us through that end-of-life process. Six months after he passed away, um, I did the unthinkable. (laughs) I packed up my house. I donated a lot of stuff, and I moved up here to Santa Rosa. Why specifically Santa Rosa? I have two sisters in the area and a longtime life friend that I've known for 50 years. Oh, wow. She's my uh, chosen sister. Okay. (laughs) And so um, when I was in the South Bay, I asked around, and people recommended Spring Hills because I'm accustomed to a big church. Uh Uh-huh. I like a lot of action. I like resources. And There's I like, not a ton of big churches in this area. Either. No, there are not. And so I feel like I hit the jackpot. Oh, good. I found the right match right off, um, and I have really enjoyed my experience here. And immediately I asked about Grief Share because I knew I still needed that resource. And I was told there wasn't one and that the Grief Share leader, Paula, had been doing it for 15 years, and she didn't want to do it anymore. She was a little burnt out, and she 
said that she was also leading another group. So she said, why don't you take it over? (laughs) So I went through growth track very quickly. And I was also told that I should go through the Stephen ministry training. So by the time I moved here, three months later, I'd gone to growth track, Stephen ministry training, and I was leading my own grief share group. So you must have been part of one of the first growth track groups, because that's about the time we started it. Yeah, perhaps. Now we, Caitlin and I, now the other guest here that I have with me today is my wife, Caitlin, who also has dealt with loss uh, within her life. And I'll get to you in just a second. But um, yeah, so you came here two and a half years ago. We were only here probably a couple months before that because oh. we came in 2017 as well. Um, so you were 2000, early 18. 2018? I was um, spring of 2018. Spring of 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had been here for a little over a year, um, but we're from, yeah, we're from the Modesto area and we, we came up here not long. There's been a lot of people that have brought on the podcast that have that similar 2017, 18 they came to to the church, and a lot of what I hear is what got them plugged in is growth track, small groups, things like that. So it really mm-hmm. speaks a lot to uh, those programs and how yes. valuable they are, and Stephen Ministry, too, as well. Absolutely. So, Caitlin, um, I know you fairly well. You are my <laughs> wife. We've been married for eight years, going on nine. And, yes, I do remember that number. She didn't have to tell me. But mm-hmm. why don't you tell us about yourself, just a, a, a small bit about yourself. Uh, you have been on the podcast before, but it's been a while, right? Yes, it has. So I, um, yes, married to Garrett. We've been here almost four years at Spring Hills. Um, I have two little boys. We have we two, have little, two boys. little boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're being watched right now. Or as we, d- I just did the the podcast the other day where the some of the band interviewed me and they said you have children and I said we have a little bit of children. <laughs> a little so bit of children. Um, so I'm also a photographer and I've taken a slower pace on that lately just so I can homeschool the boys and I'm thankful that I already had that mindset heading into COVID but it sure affirms that (laughs) Um, I'm heading in the right direction to have them at home and just to be able to teach them at our own pace of and uh, um, facilitate um, us being in ministry and working on the weekends and I also work quite a bit on the weekends with photography so yeah just finding um, our groove in life and Um, My boys are three and five, so they're busy and I'm busy with them and um, just finding things that we're passionate about. Like, What teams are you on here? You serve on? I'm on the creative team. So I'll take pictures on the the weekends for the the weekend services services and and baptism. So yeah, most of the pictures that you see on social media are taken either by you or Erica. Yeah. um, And then they get posted. So most of those pictures, that's Caitlin. That's who's behind one of those cameras that's taking some of those. Uh, which is cool. So yeah. And so I don't have to ask you more of the details about how long you've been here. You covered that already. But let's get to some of the the stuff with dealing with the loss of a loved one. You both have have had experience with this in your life, both in very different ways. So Caitlin, um, I know that you lost your father when you were young. And um, why don't you tell us some about that experience? Uh, maybe tell us this, this story. So first of all, it was your father. Uh, how long ago was that? So my my dad passed away 17 years ago. And, um, it was, uh, I, in one of the questions it was, I had made sure to ask it was, did your loved one pass away quickly? Was it all of a sudden? And then Kate, thankfully, yeah, Caitlin and, did help me come up with it. Now I, sorry, I, I am kind of interrupting <laughs> you, but I'm trying want to give you some credit here. <laughs> Caitlin has dealt with this far more than I have in my life. So Caitlin actually helped me with these questions because she was so much better at understanding what would be good to ask. So yeah, you yeah. are, you are to largely credited with uh, with the production of this particular episode. Yeah, so my my dad was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease in 2001. And so we all learned a lot about that disease heading into that season where we were going to help him, um, you know, slowly, you know, pass away with it because it's a terminal illness and 
um, the other name for it is Lou Gehrig, who was the baseball player in the 40s or 50s that had it um, and obviously retired. And um, that disease got a lot more notable after that point and got probably a lot more funding and help with research. And um, and then probably, I don't know if it was six years ago, the ice bucket challenge went around. And so a lot of people know about Lou Gehrig's disease now because of that way. Um, but it's a neurological disease that your um, fine motor neurons are hit and um, basically you become paralyzed and then you you can't breathe and you can't eat. So um, just basically everything starts to deteriorate, but your mind still is there. And um, so unlike Huntington's disease, your your mind starts to go as in dementia, um, kind of a couple of that. So um, we had hospice in our home and we had a church that supported us and, um, you know, so many people sending meals for basically a year and a half to support my mom. Um, and it was your mom and your two sisters. Now your sister, yeah. your younger sister was, you were 13. Um, your younger sister was very young. Mm-hmm. So my little sister was four years old when he passed away. Um, you know, just over two when he was diagnosed. So my mom had a two-year-old, a 11-year-old, and then a, um, a, I guess a 14, 15-year-old in the house at that point. So when, you, when he was diagnosed. When he was yeah. diagnosed. So, I mean, my goodness, if that just wasn't a train coming no in kidding. through your home yeah. about that news. And um, so... Yeah. Okay. Maureen, why don't you tell us about your husband, Steve? My husband, Steve, and I met in college. Um, we should, I should clarify, you, your husband, Steve, is the, your loved one that, that passed away. Now, you've lost a few loved ones. Well, a few loved ones prior to losing my husband, I lost both parents within four months um, in 2010 and 2011. And I was my father's caretaker for four months before he passed away in my home in San Jose. So that was very, very difficult because um, we had to develop a certain amount of trust because I ended up having to basically change his diapers and feed him baby food. And he was a very strong blue-collar worker. And so this was, you know, really hard. But we came to terms with it, and he felt that I had been the queen of everything to him at the end of his life. And it was actually the best gift in the world because I got a chance to be one-on-one with my dad. A lot, probably. A lot, where I didn't have that as much growing up. And so I'm incredibly grateful for that gift. And I held his hand, and I told him, go to heaven and be with Mama and Jesus, and he did. So, you know, then we, Steve and I had some good years. And then in 2014, Steve came home, and he was a high-tech worker. This your husband. My husband, um, he was a high-tech worker. He was in software sales. He was, um, we, we were, again, married 25 years together, 29 years we met in college. You know, we were absolutely perfect together. He comes home one day, and he says, I've got a lump on my leg. And I said, go right to the doctor, and he did. And within two weeks, he was diagnosed as terminal. He was 49. He was a real healthy kind of guy. He rode his bike all the time. He drank one beer a week. <laughs> you know, he was a health person, and he um, had never, I think, had more than an aspirin all of his life. Oh my goodness. So this was like a total shock. And ironically, I had cancer as a child. And so we always expected that, you know, my health would fail before him. And here we are with right out of the gate, terminal cancer at 49. Yeah. Not even like a, Hey, there's some treatment. We can see how things go. Well, he took every treatment that they would give him. And, and let me tell you, Stanford has an amazing array of things they can do to prolong life, but it's about buying life. Mm-hmm. And the entire three years, you know, he was only expected to live 11 years. He lived three years, 11 months. You said, right? Uh, he was only expected. I'm sorry, 11 months. He lived three years. It was the toughest three years. You know, we had maybe one good week out of every other month where he felt well. Because the treatment is so difficult, you know, on your body. And so 
I lost him in October of 2017, so I'm heading into the three-year anniversary. Third year is better than the second and first year, and yet it's still hard to go into that anniversary. It's just dates, but your heart still, you know, feels the tug of the loss. So I'm doing well. Um, I miss him terribly. He was a wonderful guy. He was very athletic. He loved to read. He loved God. He loved his country. He loved me. His family was, you know, the most important thing in the world to him. He loved our two chihuahuas more than anything. <laughs> what are the chihuahuas' names? <laughs> Joe and Scooby. Great names And for they're dogs. still around. Okay. They're 13. They're going to outlive me. I know it. <laughs> and um, he loved, you know, he loved life. He was um, a really amazing guy. He was in sales. He traveled all the time, and I never had to think twice about what he was doing. He'd call me from all, all over the United States and say, I found the best ice cream. Did you ever get to travel with them? <laughs> uh, sometimes I okay, did. Okay, so yeah. you got to do some of the fun, uh, the fun ice cream trips. Yes. Oh, good. And and then again, you know, when when he was not um, working or he was, you know, on vacation time, we traveled all over the place. Yeah. All over the country, you know. So he'd say, "If you want to do it, you make it happen." So we had a great marriage. It was a tremendous loss, and so now I've had to learn to be me, mm-hmm. not we. Us. Yeah. Yeah. And the hardest thing about losing a spouse is the loss of the, or change in identity. You're now single. I didn't want to be single after 29 years. I wanted to be, you know, married. And now I fill out documents, you know, the the ensuing documents and paperwork that goes on after the loss of a spouse is unbelievable. And I have to keep checking that box, widow. I hate that word, widow. It sounds like a horrible bug. <laughs> like a black widow. Like a black widow. Mm-hmm. Like a spider, yeah. I hate that. So I prefer to think of myself as a window. A window. Okay. A window of opportunity. A yeah, window so of great. positivity. Good for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a really good outlook. I cannot let grief define me. The first couple of years it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like you, you know, are, are a widow. You know, you feel the loss. You can't help but feel the identity change. But now at three years... I feel that I am becoming more me and less the widow. Mm-hmm. All right. Caitlin, will you, um, so we learned a little bit about Steve being athletic and the things that he was into. What about Ryan, your dad, Ryan? Tell us about him a little bit. Right, right. And it's just so interesting to hear different points of view of grief too, because it's like grief is, there's so many facets of it. You know, the grief of, of spouse versus a grief of a parent versus the grief of a child Versus, you know, a sibling or a and cousin, as, as yeah. I'm hearing you talk, it's like you're grieving what has been lost that you had. And so I think to introduce the subject of grieving a parent, it's you're introducing the loss of something that you never got to have. Mm. And so um, that is kind of what what grieving a father is like. And so um, to talk about my dad, he was just like a lot like my husband, just like the biggest life, you know, like. I went with the Enneagram and it's helpful to know that Garrett's a seven personality, <laughs> test. personality test. Yeah. And so I'm like looking back at the kind of personality that my dad was. And I'm just like, he was a big old seven, like just the joy, you know, constantly going and moving. You can't take a break. This guy worked and worked and just like loved life and just was so much fun. And he was a roofer. Right? And he was a roofing contractor. And, um, I mean, he ironically from this area, Right. And then moved to Modesto, which then we came back to this area because you were born in Petaluma. Right. So I was born in Petaluma. My mom and dad have this cute little love story. They met at Stinson Beach and he threw Frisbee over to her to get to know her. And he proposed in like three days and she like, like, hold the horses here. Let's date for a while. They dated for a year, you know, just real sweet though. Um, 
but yeah, they met at Stinson Beach. They moved to Modesto in 1991. They raised me and my uh, older sister there, had my little sister, and um, then Garrett and I had the opportunity to come back to this area. So it's fun to kind of reconnect with his family, my dad's family, and kind of put locations to all the stories that yeah, we got to go to Stinson heard, Beach. So. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And then your mom also came back here and she was here for a few years mm -hmm. um, recently. And then she just moved to Tennessee. But yeah. So. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let me let's get into some discussion here. So for those of you that would be might be listening to this that are dealing with the loss of a loved one, I also want to talk to those that might have a loved one that's that's terminally ill right now, um, because that's also like you had mentioned the years that he had been sick. Maureen um, was very difficult. And Caitlin, I'm sure with you guys as well. Um, with your with your dad dealing with ALS, those are both. Now you had said ALS, but he was very young for ALS. Right. right? I think I don't know if it was measured by county or by state, but he had made some records with his diagnosis with ALS. Um, with how young he was and how quick how it moved. Yeah, so he was diagnosed when he was forty years old, I believe. <laughs> I'm trying to think, remember back, and. Um, yeah. I think that's the number your mom usually, 39 yeah. or 40, somewhere yeah. around there. And then he he had only, it was, what, 18 months after he was diagnosed mm -hmm. um, that he had away. passed. Yeah, so that's very, very fast moving mm -hmm. as well, yeah. Um, so I know that that knowing that your loved one was saved is another thing. Both of you had spouses that were, now Maureen, you shared with me before this podcast that your husband was the director of your your walk with Christ, right? As a couple. So, um, knowing that your spouse was saved and your, and that your dad was saved, what kind of, what kind of peace did that give you? Or was that, does it, how much help is that knowing that they went to heaven, that they had a relationship with Christ, um, to be able to lean on that? There's two kinds of, of loss. Uh, ultimately there's a lot of loss, but the way we handle it, there's anticipatory loss where you know they're sick and you know they're going to leave their body. Then there's the sudden loss, you know, where you have to do a lot of the work afterwards. Anticipatory loss, you're doing a lot of the grief work before they pass away, and you're watching them struggle. And then when they do pass away, their soul changed usually from the person that, you know, you knew, that there's a tremendous sense of relief. Um, They're not suffering anymore. Exactly. I, I said to Steve, I said to my mom, I said to my dad, Go and be with Jesus and be free of the pain, be free of, of your this illness. Body, of this world, yeah. You need a new body. Go and ask Jesus for a new life. And, and you're so grateful that they are out of their body and present with the Lord, that there's a tremendous amount of relief. But does that make it any easier it for you? It does not, because the end result is still the same. They're in paradise. You're left here <laughs> holding the bag. <laughs> and it's painful. We don't like to be separated as humans. We don't like to be apart from our loved ones. And so then there's, you know, all the grief of having to deal with life without our loved ones, our partner, our father. And so, you know, the pain is the same, but as a Christian, there's a tremendous amount of gratitude. And so ultimately with grief, it's about balancing grief and gratitude. In the beginning, it's all grief all the time. And uh, hopefully over time, the gratitude tempers the grief. And so you're not in as much pain. You know where they are and you know that you're going to be reunited with your loved one. That's so great that you brought that up, the balance of grief and gratitude, because um, not having any formal um, therapy, I didn't go to a therapist. And um, but it's it's these things that working this out in my walk with the Lord and reading his word and just working these things out in my spirit that I exchanged grief for gratitude, you know, where I would lift myself up by saying, I am so thankful that my dad knew the Lord. I am so thankful that my dad prepared his whole family to endure this 
you know, this um, tr- uh, tragedy that hit us. So um, that's definitely been something that's, that is the exchange there. And I can't thank my mom enough for, and my husband's mom for giving us the gift of faith. Mm-hmm. Because I have to tell you, I know people through um, grief support groups outside of the church, and they believe in nothing, and they are in the most pain. People who don't believe there's anything after this life struggle with grief so much. Mm-hmm. I've ta- I talked to somebody fairly recently, and they they were they asked that question. They what what do you believe happens to us after you die? And I I was able to share with them what exactly my belief is through, um, you know, through God's word, sharing with them what God says happens to us if we have a relationship with Christ and why he sent Christ here to die for us. And it's definitely um, people that have, I've, that have lost somebody that don't know the Lord and don't know that if their spouse did or didn't um, and don't even know what that means, right? They, they're searching. They're definitely searching. And if, I mean, if that is you out there listening to, to this, God sent his son to die for you so you could have a relationship with him. And that's what we're talking about is, is a relationship with God. And Caitlin saying that um, you didn't go to a therapist, but you really, uh, how did you, how did you word it? You exchanged. Just exchanging my grief for gratitude, for gratitude. and thanking. And that thanking the fact that, that I can even have something to be thankful for is because God sent his son yes. and I wouldn't have any resurrection of the life if Christ hadn't come here, pay the penalty for our sins and then gave us life through him. And so you know your dad yeah, is with it's like God in heaven. Our just belief in that is what does that. It's not any good works. It's nothing. It's just believing in the sacrifice. And the gift is that you know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, no, a knowledge of yeah. God. Have knowledge of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, both of you, um, had in your experiences, had a loved one that was diagnosed with something, and there was a process to the uh, passing away. So let's talk as if I'll ask this question as if I'm somebody dealing with that now. Um, so like my loved one's being diagnosed and only has a small amount of time left. How do I begin to figure out what to do with that time that we have left? Well, it's mandated by treatment for sure. And, you know, of course, continuing to go to church and deal with, you know, the, the community in church absolutely helps tremendously. But, you know, it takes time for a person that's very ill to come to terms with the loss. There's a grief that the ill person has to go through as well. And there were many times when my husband said, where is Jesus in all of this? You know, it's not like he was like understanding that this was a process and that he was planning on going to heaven. You know, he would tell me all the time, I'm walking with Jesus because I know this is borrowed time. And he felt very grateful that he could, you know, acquire time from treatment. But, you know, on the same hand, there was doubt in his mind about, you know, is, is God present at all this? And I have to tell you, when you look in the rearview mirror at the experience that we had at the end of his life, God is so present in that experience. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I look back and I see the gifts that God gave us to take us through the end of his life. Steve Porter was working for a, for Dell Computers. And he was there for four or five years. And he came home one day, six months before he was diagnosed with cancer. And he said, I lost my job with Dell, but I have good news. And I'm like, what is the good news? <laughs> he says, I got a great big severance package. And I want you to remodel the kitchen that you've been wanting to remodel for <laughs> oh, 10 years. What a gift. And I'm like, oh, you sweet thing. Thinking of me, and you know, despite the fact you lost your Del- job with Dell. He says, Maureen, you know me. I have a network. I will replace that job. And he did in two months. He had the best job after that. Mm-hmm. He got a job with another company. Mm-hmm. And then he got cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kept him on the payroll for three years. 
and he only worked for six months. Oh my wow. goodness! And so they paid him his base salary that we could live on. What he, an, that's a that's a that's a huge that's blessing. A miracle, that's a miracle. That's that, crazy. That's crazy. If he had been with Dell, we probably would have lost our home. Yeah. But the new company was a smaller company, and they were very um, human and very um, compassionate. And they kept him on his full salary, and they kept him fully insured. That's amazing. And out of that three-year process, he only really worked for six months. That's wow. amazing. And it's like those times where, you know, your husband chose to believe in God's goodness in that time and then to, like, almost, like, leverage it for, like, even more blessing. And it's, like, that same sort of, like, okay, no, God is here. If you can, like, if that's, like, everything. If you're, like, in the middle of your grief, you can say into the darkness and, like, speak light. Like, God's here. Like, God is here. <laughs> I believe it. It, like, does everything to that situation. And then it just, like, allows you to see what he's going to do next and do next. But like unbelief keeps you in the dark and it's like, God can't work in unbelief. So that's, that's huge that you have that story to. Let me tell you the most um, moving thing that happened at the end of my husband's life. He was, um, he had a concussion at home and he was on hospice and I couldn't keep him at home anymore. This is while he was sick? Two weeks before he died, he okay. had fallen and he had a concussion. People from, you know, with cancer usually don't die of cancer. They die of something and so, yes, something yeah. separate. So he fell and gave himself a concussion, and I realized I can't keep him in the house. And so he went to the hospital, and then for the last four days of his life, he was in a caretaking facility. I was there all the time with his mom and his brother, and he didn't talk anymore. He was separating from his body. And you can tell when you watch someone die, the process is four to five days. So he wasn't speaking anymore or eating. He was just kind of a head in a bed. And but we were all around him telling him we loved him. And at one point the day before he died, he looked at his brother and he said, Who has the keys to the kingdom? And his brother said, You do, Steve. They're in your pocket and you can use them anytime. Wow. <laughs> and then he went into a coma and he died. Oh. And um you know, so God came and got him. Yeah. Wow. Seriously. <laughs> I'm glad you grabbed the tissues. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Good thing we got the tissues here. Um, I, I want to, there's a question that comes up, I'm sure, a lot with people that now we are, um, we're talking bo- to both of you who have dealt with the loss of a loved one, but I know that there could be somebody also listening that might be the one who is ill. And um, the big question from both sides could be why? Why would God allow this to happen? Um, so what, Maureen, I know that since you, you lead the grief share, um, you've probably gotten that question quite a bit. Why would this be happening to my family? Why would this be happening to my loved one? What do you say to somebody who's asking that question? That is a very human thing to do, to ask why. There, there are no answers. Job never got answers. Right. We don't deserve answers. Uh, we'll always ask why, and we'll always say, this isn't fair. There's no fair card. It just happens. And I don't believe that Jesus is in heaven saying, well, you're going to get cancer and you're going to have a heart attack and you're going to have ALS. I don't believe it works like that. I think we're human. Our bodies break down. And I think it just, it's random. I think it just happens. Jesus is always there to pick up the pieces and support us through it. Jesus is the support system. He puts all kinds of people in our path and to support us, to help us. Jesus, I don't think, gave my husband cancer. And Steve never believed that either. Absolutely not. Jesus, uh, you know, is there to support you. Steve's cancer was very much genetic. But it was still, still so much of a surprise. 
Yes, it was. But if you look back now, and I, you know, I look at his family history, everybody dies of soft tissue cancer. His cousin, his uncle died at 27 of melanoma. And all of his uncles, you know, it's random on his mother's side of the family. So it wasn't really, if I look back now, a mystery that it happened. Well, and I've, I've done a lot of like just soul searching into the curse of death and that that is God's grace for us to not have to continue here on this earth. And he gave us each other to um, like, you know, he, he gives us his son like in his body to help each other in to be extensions of that grace. Um, so it's like if we deserved to be separated from God and God came back for us and he redeemed us and restored us. It's like death, where is your sting? And it's like, it hurts a lot. It still stings, but it's, it's, it's a grace. When you can like change your thought pattern to like, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to continue here on this earth forever and our days are numbered and we can use them and launch them into eternity and that I have control here to do what I want with my days. So um, it helps launch you into at least a, a better thought pattern as mm-hmm. to the graciousness of God and all of that. Yeah. So, Marina, I have this question for you as well. Um, uh, most of these questions can be, you can relate to, to it also, Caitlin. Um, but this one, um, you know, just dealing with the fact that my loved one um, has passed away, having a hard time trusting God to get you through the grief process. Um, what's some encouragement we could give to people that might be having an extra difficult time or even just a difficult time dealing with uh, the fact that they've lost a loved one, whether it was um, from a diagnosis that lasted a few years or something sudden? Well. I know from experience that grief is not done well in isolation. Grief uh, needs to be handled in community because I'm going to tell you, if you run away from grief and you try to hide from grief, it'll find you. It'll find you. It will make you sick. Uh, Ultimately, it has to be dealt with and it has to be communicated. And so I see the best results in grief share groups. When people come and talk about the grief and repeat the loss every single week, because it has to be embedded in your brain. And it takes, I think, a full year to embed the reality of the loss in your brain. So I think that um, you have to really trust that speaking it out and being part of community will help you heal. I've had people in grief support that have not dealt with loss. In fact, I had one gentleman who had come to the group and he had lost his wife as a single parent, was a single parent, and he hadn't done any of the grief work at all for 10 years and Mm -hmm. he came to me and he said it's still there and I said you've (laughs) never talked it it out he said no I had to hit the ground running with my little son and I didn't have time to do the grief work and so he realized if you don't do the work it just embeds itself in your heart and it can make you sick I have seen grief kill people yeah that's a I it's a crazy thing to think about it that way because to think of dealing with anything for 10 years is anything that's like remotely that I can't handle being down for a few days. I can't imagine 10 years of dealing with something or not dealing with it, I guess, and just letting it embed itself in you, as you put it. Denial and avoidance is huge. Yeah. Um, Now, you've mentioned grief share now. We've talked about it a few times. We'll mention this again at the end, but also just right now, just in case someone doesn't make it to the end of the podcast, how do we get involved in grief share if this is something that I I need in my life? Uh, Grief share is a small group, and it's advertised as a small group. Uh, You know, we had to suspend it this particular season because of COVID and because of the air quality. We couldn't be inside, and so, you know, we'd have to do it outside. Grief Share is a 13-week um, program. There's a video involved. There's a workbook involved, and it's the Christian 
um, way to handle grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to run it again in probably January. So if you're interested. And then besides that, there's also Stephen Ministry, which you are a Stephen minister. That's kind um, of the... So f- that's something that if you're if you're looking for somebody that can help you through, and you personally experienced someone helping yes. you through yes. um, your loss with a Stephen minister, right? So yes. we have that here available at the church as well. You can contact um, Garrett Ward, I believe is the one, or John Barrett. Or John Barrett. And Steve Fiano, I think, are the ones that you would contact. Yes, but, and that's the one-on-one mentoring of someone who's who's experienced yeah. a loss. Yeah, and there is, there is actually, there's an episode earlier on the podcast feed, a few weeks, uh, like a month ago or so about Stephen ministry, like somewhere in the twenties, episode 22 or something like that, where uh, John Barrett, Garrett Ward came in and shared about Stephen ministry and what the purpose of it is, how to, to seek out a Stephen minister or become a Stephen minister. If it's something that is, uh, is on your heart to become a Stephen minister. I want to talk about what the Bible says about loss, whether it's a parent or, or a spouse. So what is, what, what can I look in the Bible for and see what the Bible says? The Bible says you're absent from your body and you're present with the Lord. And that has probably been one of the greatest um, comforts to me, as well as this app called Promises, Bible Promises. Um, It was brought to my attention that you can look at all kinds of different topics in here. Oh, and you can see death right there. Exactly. And so that has been a way that I have been able to look up different passages in the Bible to comfort myself. Um, One of my favorites is, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. That's Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Right. There's this verse, Caitlin, you wrote this verse down on our notes, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Another scripture that I loved that I repeated to my husband constantly before we would go to bed would be John 14, 2 through 4. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I'm going there to prepare a room for you, a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. That's so good. That was very comforting to my husband and yeah. to me. Yeah, just this further hope. There's yeah. something more beyond this. Yes. This, this is not fun. It's <laughs> this, not. This I have to tell fun. you that being a survivor, you know, I have found the world to be beautiful and chaotic all at the same time. <laughs> and there are some days when I say to myself, hmm, Jesus, what am I doing here? And why can't I be in paradise? That right. looks a lot better than what I see down here with this COVID-ridden mess that we've got going and all the chaos in the world. And the fires and the, I mean, oh, just cha- yes. yeah, chaos, chaos. Ch- and chaos. the murder hornets. I, <laughs> Killer <just> murder hornets. <laughs> so I many mean, things. I'm just afraid to leave the house. I know. <laughs> and yet I go out on my patio with my two dogs and I think there is so much beauty and so yeah, much love. He gave us so much. And I'm here to do a job. I'm here to help people get through their loss. I'm here to encourage people that, you know, it's not the end of the world when you lose a loved one. It seems like it, but there's always hope. Mm -hmm. And so I use my time to serve others as others served me when I was losing my husband. Right. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just remember, I can't remember if it was a podcast or a sermon I had listened to, but someone who had um, been a prisoner of war and, you know, talking and interviewing that person, what got you through that? And it was just, you know, that there was 
there is hope at the end of the story and that he in turn after that, you know, helped all these people with their grief. But the biggest part of that is just being able to help someone else with your experience that you were switching your experience for someone else to be able to come through that same thing. So I think, I mean, 2000 years ago, we didn't have any uh, therapy or <laughs> psychotherapy. At least not how we know about it right? now, right? And like just the beauty of God's word that spoke through was the therapy was, Hey, you guys need to talk to each other and help one another. If you've gone through something and that someone else is going through it and they don't know how to handle it and you know how to handle it, go ahead and help them. Like that's going to help you and that's going to help them. And you're going to just find further healing in that process. Does anybody ever know how to deal with it in the moment? Or is it, I mean, the, I would imagine, again, I did not experience this. So I would imagine that there might be some kind of like, well, I should be able to just figure this out on my own. I don't want to call it pride, but like a, um, just a, a determination to know I can handle this. Oh, I always felt like I could handle this. I've had so much experience with <laughs> did you, loss. Did you have to have a moment where you had to admit that, no, I need help? Oh, I've always... Alone, I can do nothing without Jesus. <laughs> I'm completely convinced that, you know, I'm a goofball without Jesus. I'm I, a goofball with Jesus. I'm a goofball with, without. <laughs> I've always known that I'm strong enough because Jesus makes me strong. I'm always, you know, aware that I am not in this alone. Mm -hmm. And left to my own devices, I'll just mess everything up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Caitlin, I, I had the thought here. We were talking. This wasn't on the notes, so I'm going to spring it on you. But um, talk, with, with the, the loss of a loved one, someone in your family, your family has been essentially broken, right? It's broken apart. It's not complete. doesn't feel mm -hmm. complete. Um, what Blended families, or Maureen, in your case, being a widow, um, how, dating again or not dating again, whatever the, the decision might be. Your mom, Caitlin, was a bit younger, um, and she was, I mean, I think she was in her late thirties when your mm -hmm. dad had passed away. Uh, and so we know that she had obviously dated again and got remarried from your point of view as a kid, how is, what's that process like? And how do, how does a, a child deal with the idea of somebody else coming in and not replacing their parent, but, um, coming alongside their mom or their dad and being a part of their family now? And how do they welcome that person in or whatever the, the situation might be? You know, that's a great question. And Thank I you. don't think anyone <laughs> can quite execute it perfectly. They can only just walk in it in wisdom. And um, while it's a lot to sort through about, I so I remember being 15 years old. My dad had passed away for two years at this point, And I just prayed for whoever would come into my mom's life. I knew that would come. I just prayed for this person that they would be a great dad for Natalie, uh, my little sister. And who, who I just prayed for your, my heart because I knew that that was probably something that would be coming and that just praying and just offering that to the Lord being like, uh, this is coming, you know, like, please help me with this and help me with knowing how to um, be a good daughter to this person. And it's just like all that you can do. And I think um, I'm a person that needs to prepare. Like, so I like feeling prepared. And so just in God's grace, I had um, a dream when I was six that my my dad and I were standing on a ledge and he said, I have to jump this for you. And he was keeping me safe. And just, I felt always just in my spirit, just like something's gonna happen to my dad, you know? <laughs> and it's like, God is just so good to like prepare you. And so I just at a really young age had like always had this close relationship with the Lord to be like, okay, you've got me, you've got my family. And so he'd always had me kind of like one step ahead of the curve of what was going to be coming. So like I'd pray for my little sister, I'd pray for my mom and just 
you know, life is still unfolding. It's still messy. It's still all of these things. And I'm still grieving. It's a lifelong process. And I'll grieve, you know, my kids not having a grandpa, you know, it's like, it's still there. And it's like, whatever the verse says that whatever you have lost for the sake of my kingdom, which it's like anything that is here that you don't have, it's for the sake of his kingdom. I mean, like when you know Christ and you are moving forward with him and you don't have something, it's like, I could put that under loss for the sake of the kingdom, right? So if, you know, I don't have my dad and it's like, he says he'll supply this much in this life and in the next life. So it's like, how can you, you know, Lord provide something that I don't have here in a dad? Can you give me a really great pastor or can you give me, you know, these disciples or, you know, someone to look at to be like, you're a great grandpa, you know, or something like that. You know, and Garrett and I love, he loves making lists. And so we made a grandpa list. <laughs> like your top a fa- 10 A grandpas. fantasy grandpa list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, would be the, who would be the best grandpa number so, one? I mean, it's just those ways that I like. I think Liam Neeson hit number one, right? <laughs> yeah, his movie was taken. <laughs> but it's just ways that like God is unseen and he provides in unseen ways. So like I've always felt taken care of. You know, God is, he's good at taking care of the widow and the orphan. And there's a verse that David, I don't know if David quite, I mean, I just assume all Psalms are David's. I know there's someone else's too. <laughs> he gets the most credit for him. But when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. And not that my mom's forsaken me, but like, you know, when you're grieving at 13 years old, you feel a lot of emotion. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, there's always a verse for it. What's really cool about this, I'll, I'll share it. This is probably the only real input I have with, with this. And this is not something that I experienced in the moment because I didn't know your dad. When, um, obviously when I was, I'd been 15 years old when, uh, you were going through that, but he wrote letters to you and your sisters and there's a letter, I think, I forget if it's in a book or if it's a letter that's, uh, or if it's written on the book or if it's in the book and there's a letter and he actually wrote it to me. Right. Not knowing just, it was going to be Let me just go down the list me. Yeah, go ahead. all the amazing things my dad did while he was, um, passing away with ALS. So Just keep in mind with ALS, you begin to lose your fine motor skills. And so you don't have the coordinations of walking and then your hands and then speaking ultimately. So he did so many things, just even with his, you know, lack of capabilities in that time, he um, made poems for all of his family members and had them framed, his best friend framed them for us and put them to pictures that were really beautiful. His best friend actually put pen to paper, right? He, he executed it so my dad was able at this point he was you know in his hospice bed in our living room but he he was able to spoke speak the the poems for each one of us and you know his his parents and his um his siblings and his you know his kids and his wife and it's just the sweetest thing that we have this of our dad and um and then he got books that were you know like a marriage book you know finding the one and he wrote in it to me and then he also you know talked about you know this is for my son-in-law and then like um, so he passed away in January and he had flowers delivered to my mom in February. Like this, it's the just- The movie P.S. I Love You was yeah, basically like, <laughs> based on his exploits, right? Right, <laughs> right. So I was going to say that how much of an impact that your dad had on me, and I don't even know him. I had never met him. Um, I feel like I do know him because mm-hmm. I've heard so much of what he's what he's like. But he had, you, people have an impact on people in such a positive way. And I think we asked, we asked the question earlier as to why, um, why something like this can happen. And taking- the the road of your dad where he while he was sick I think he had he had uh, given some sermons and he had uh, he had done a lot of things where he was just basically shining Christ's love anywhere he went right and he so did that with it, his future son-in-law who he had he had no idea what I'd be like he didn't know you'd end up marrying a, a tatted up goofball 
<laughs> he had no clue. But the words that he says and he encourages me just helps me be motivated to do what he did and follow Christ and be a good husband and be a good father. And so he's had a huge impact on me and I never even met the guy. Yeah. Um, so my dad being a roofing contractor, he, you know, I just think he had all these gifts that, you know, the last bit of his life he got to finally have an expression for, um, you know, whether that being like at his own lack of like jumping into them himself or just God's perfect timing to allow them to finally come forth. But, you know, he's really artistic and really good at writing and really good speaker. And, um, so he went around to churches and shared his testimony and, um, you know, we, I think they're around these audios of them. And he didn't grow up a them. Christian. He and became a Christian later on in life, both your mom and your dad mm-hmm. did. Yeah. So he had done seven years of BSF before that to like prepare for this point. So, um, that being said, like something that I carry with me that like, I just, which is probably part of, you know, needing therapy or not, it's just processing <laughs> it. You know, when you encounter such a grievous thing, you kind of think, when's the next one coming, you know, and especially for someone who's such a preparing you type do, person. Yeah. Um, and I think God's just worked on me to just enjoy life a little bit more and to just allow him to like fully hold the reins of like, Hey, remember how much I like took care of you and that if anything else is coming down the chute, don't worry. I've got that too. And what's funny about your own personality is I feel like you actually are probably more of a, um, in the nicest way possible mess before something actually happens (laughs) and just being more like trying to prepare for the worst Mm -hmm. rather than when something actually happens, how composed you are in handling it. It's very, um, it's fairly fascinating to me to, to watch you navigate those things. Um, but the question I started with was, was with the, the parent, with your family being broken apart. So I want to ask the same thing with Maureen, with you um, losing your spouse, what's it like to be, now maybe we'll ask a question as somebody who lost a spouse. Can you date again? Is it okay? How long do I wait? What's the, what's the protocol? If I have like your mom, Caitlin had young kids, what's the, how do I handle this? If I don't know this guy very well and I'm bringing him into my, my house, am I expecting my kids to, to love him and respect him? And it's just a complicated situation. So can you speak into that at all? Well, um, First of all, I want to say you had an amazing father, Caitlin. Really, I you know that's a that's a loaded it's a loaded a question. question because uh, you know I am a new widow. <laughs> Before my husband passed away, he struggled tremendously with leaving me on the planet. Um, I will say that we we planned for the worst, and the worst happened. We bought lots of life insurance. His job provided life insurance and so he knew that I would be financially stable you wouldn't have to worry and about safe it. and I would never have to worry again and he knew that I could afford to buy a house and own it and I would never have to worry subsequently he was worried about me remarrying and he struggled for the last six months of his life with leaving me and he said I'm afraid that you're going to forget me Mm. and I'm afraid that you're going to marry somebody and we won't be together in eternity again. And I'm afraid that someone else will come in and take the life that I worked so hard Mm. to make happen. And so I sent him, packed him off to our pastor friend and I said, (laughs) you need to come to terms with this uh, because I can't tell you that I may not marry again. I don't know how to tell the future. I said, but you need to get some comfort about, you know, leaving me and going to paradise. So he goes and he meets with our dear, dear friend, um, our pastor, and 
<laughs> the pastor um, did not give Steve the answer that he necessarily wanted to hear. <laughs> the pastor said, Steve, marriage is not, um, it's, it's a human concept. There's no concept of marriage in heaven. And so poor Steve, he came home and he's like, we're never going to be together in eternity again. And I said, not that's not so. There's also no mm-hmm. sorrow in heaven. I said, there's no tears. There's no pain. We will always be bonded. I said, we'll be bonded here on the planet. We'll be bonded in eternity. I said, you know, maybe you should think that, you know, it would be good if God sent me someone else. You know, I, I know that might take time. And I have to say that um, there is no dating police after you become a widow. (laughs) There are no books that say It's only been four months. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recommend making any big changes or dating anyone the first year, although I have known people that have replaced their spouse. There's a 75% divorce rate for people who marry within the first two years. Oh, wow. And so, you know, they're I have, just not done grieving, you know, you're that, not, you don't even know who you are. Yeah. So you um, need to grieve first. You need to grieve first. You need to figure out who you are and you need to come to terms with, you know, what it is you want in another relationship. I am just now at that point where I think, yeah, I do want another relationship. I have no idea how it's going to happen and I trust God will provide it. Um, I don't see myself going on a dating site. Seems a little, you know, I don't know. I would rather organically it happen in my life. However, it's not easy to meet people. You know, it, I'm not working anymore. Uh, you know, I lead grief support groups and, you know, I go to church here. And, you know, so you hope that. That's why God has you in a big church. It's a, it's a, it's a big pond. <laughs> you know, you hope that. You I know, know some guys, Maureen, just with <laughs> <if> you. <laughs> okay, this is turning into the dating game now. It's <laughs> <laughs> our next podcast. Coming up next week. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm at the third year now where I, grief does not identify me. It does not define me anymore. I am me now. And I'm extremely happy, mm-hmm. but I'm lonely. And so, you know, I've had to come to terms with the fact that, okay, I'm in a new phase of my life and I have an open heart and I have an open mind and come what may, I will see what happens. Mm -hmm. Is there any sort of uh, experience, maybe yourself or somebody that you know, that's dealt with the, the challenge of feeling guilty about moving on? Um, no, um, I haven't had anyone that I know of that has felt guilty, but I do know people that have moved on and and had not given it enough time and it hasn't been successful. Yeah. Um, I do have a friend who's a psychologist and she lost her husband in that sudden plane crash lost. And so she had to do a lot of the work afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so at three years, she said, I liked being married and I'd like to be married again. Mm -hmm. So she knew exactly what she wanted. And she went online and she found someone and now she's been married for two years and she's incredibly happy. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. My grandma, you know, my grandfather passed away when I was two months old. So um, he was fairly young. I, you know, when I was younger, I always thought, well, he was an old guy, right? No, he wasn't an old guy. He was young, Um, but he passed away from cancer, uh, lung cancer. He was a smoker for a long time. And um, they'd been married. They had one of those stories where, you know, they met three days later, he's proposing and they're getting married. And, you know, just one of those crazy stories where they meet from across the country and drive across the country. And now they've got four kids. They stay married for, I think they're married for 30, uh, 37 years, 38 years, something like that. And um, she, when he passed away, now my grandma is, I am her, um, I'm her clone. She is just a, wants to have fun 
don't don't gr- don't let me grieve. I don't want to be sad. So, and she just decided right from the right from the start. She said, "I was married for thirty five years, thirty six years, whatever it was, and I'm never going to do it again." And I that's I'm okay with that. And I think her words. She always jokes around. My grandpa was a very um, uh, old fashioned kind of guy. You know, the men do the outside work, the women do the inside work. That kind of thing. And she said, "I'm never going to have a man tell me what to do again." I loved your <laughs> grandfather. He was the most amazing man I've ever known, and I'm never going to let another man tell me what to do. And, uh, and so, she's had a lot of fun. <laughs> and now she's she has these this group of friends. They I, she is one of the most social and sorry, grandma, old ladies that I've ever seen in my life. And it's amazing to me that she has just decided this is what she's going to do. So her companionship came through girlfriends like she just plays cards with them and they've got they go on trips together and she's that's it's going to be different for everybody it is different for everybody everybody handles it differently um last year my husband and i had always planned on going to europe but with the high-tech world there was never enough time so last year i said to my sisters my three sisters and my my chosen sister Let's run off. Oh, I thought she was one of the three. You said three sisters earlier. I have earlier. three I sisters, was, and then there's and a then, fourth. So you have four sisters. Well, yeah. The I mean, chosen. Mm-hmm. With the, the chosen, table. yeah. So I said, let's all run off to Paris and London, and we did. That's oh, so for two, awesome. For two weeks. Good for you. Oh, yeah. That's cool. so much I fun. planned the whole thing. We had an incredible time. You know, so I'm not sitting around being sad anymore because my husband would not want that for me. Mm-hmm. I want to have fun. Yeah. I, you know, I want to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. I've got lots of years left. Yeah. I want to ask one more question before we start to wrap up. And this is probably a little more lighthearted, but um, could be very difficult for some people. What do I do with the personal items um, that are left in the home now, especially Maureen? You guys are married for how many years? Did you say 29? We were together 29, married for 25. Married for 25. There's probably a lot of Steve around your house. There was. Um, there was. Okay. So what's the the grieving process there? Um, Caitlin, you can, you can jump in on this too, because I know that there's, we have your dad's Bible and... Um, a couple other his his pocket watch and a couple little things, but we don't have much uh, from your from your dad. And I think there's probably a difference of opinion on what you do with things, right? Um, but it's the you know you can't take it right. with you. Well, and for your sake, you built a life with this person, and it takes a whole different take on what this stuff actually is. Where mine, it's I get to build a life with Garrett, and these are more just mementos that I still have around that are a piece of that. It's like singular, but yours your life was so together. Steve and I, of course, you know, accumulated a lot of stuff mm-hmm. after 25 As years. As you do, yeah. As you do. And so I, uh, because I lost Steve over a period of three years, you know, and I knew that I probably didn't want to stay in San Jose because I really didn't have any relatives down there. I started giving away his stuff at his memorial. I had a very large memorial because, um, you know, he'd still been a working kind of guy. So I had a big church memorial and then I had a sit down dinner for 60. And at that dinner... I gave away a lot of the things that Steve had collected. He loved fancy pens, wood pens, and he loved um, leather bracelets. And so I bagged up one for every one of the um, uh, nieces and nephews, the 10 nieces and nephews. I um, gave a lot of his really good friends mementos. I donated a lot of all of his clothes, and I gave all of his sports memorabilia. Steve was a big baseball fan. He had 50 signed baseballs. Oh, wow. I gave them, and this is all three months after Steve he died. Steve is starting to sound more and more like the kind of guy I'd want to hang out with. Oh, just Steve, you know. Steve was the all-American cool kind of I'll guy. I'll just let you know, when I get to heaven, I'm hanging out with Steve and Ryan. That's what's happening. <laughs> Steve was a fun guy. He was an all-American guy, and he loved baseball. And so he um, had a tremendous amount of sports memorabilia. He also loved uh, Neil Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love, I li- I love Neil Diamond, <laughs> He had framed pictures of Neil Diamond. <laughs> I was kind of like burnt it. out on Neil Diamond after 25 years. 
mom got the Neil Diamond memorabilia. And Get his, that stuff out of here. Yeah, huh? I'm done with it. And his brother Sorry, got Neil. all the sports. Neil Diamond, if you are a listener, um, <laughs> we apologize, but uh, Maureen's had it. Love with you, your, Neil, uh, but I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many different stories about how people disseminate their stuff. They donate, they don't donate, they look at it for two years. You know, I, I know people who have had the husband's bathrobe on the closet, you know, hanging in the closet or hanging on the back of the bathroom door for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's not me. <laughs> I am a move on. Is that okay, though? Yeah, it, it's all okay. okay. Again, there's no grief police, right? Right. There's no written word that says you have to keep things for a certain amount of time. I've known people that couldn't get rid of anything and couldn't change a thing. And if you get ever. rid of it, don't feel guilty about no, it. No, there is no guilt involved. Right. You, you have to come to terms with it and you have to make the change when it makes you comfortable. Um, I know a friend who cleared up everything after two years because she wanted this, the, the man cave for a guest room. And so then it became evident that there was a purpose for, you know, changing what the man cave was. My husband's man cave, you know, was sweet and I loved it, but I was moving away and so I couldn't keep all of this stuff. You weren't going to bring Neil with you. I was not going <laughs> to bring Neil and 50 signed baseball card, baseballs and 50 baseball hats with me. That's amazing. I know. That's um, amazing. I kept the very significant things. I kept his wedding ring. Oh, okay. When he passed away, they asked me, do you want him to be cremated with his ring or do you want to keep it? And I said, I want to keep it, but I can't get it off. And the man that took him away said, you're not supposed to get it off. So they took it off and I took my ring off at the same time. And then I wear them around my, my neck when I need Steve's, okay. you know, ring around my neck. But there, there are so many different ways that people deal with personal things. And at some point, you know, as Christians, we realize... Things are things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, Caitlin, your your mindset has been very much things are things. That's why, probably yeah. why there's not as much. Now, you have a ring on your finger from me that your mom had given to me. Yeah. And said, Did he tell um, you this story? So this, no, I hadn't had this. I noticed that. Yeah. So there's the ring that you have is not, um, it's not completely from your dad's ring, but it is a ring where the diamonds from the ring your, your dad gave. Maureen's, if you're <laughs> listening to this, that. Maureen's like, let me see it, show <laughs> it, show it. Um, so, so the diamonds on this ring, this was this is very special to me too, because yeah, the diamonds beautiful. are from the ring that her dad had given her mom uh, right before the, the diagnosis. And then the uh, rest of the ring, her mom and I designed together with the jeweler. Um, so there's, that's part of all of it, right? So uh, and then the other, the the wedding band. Right. Um, well, and this is just the sort of like sweetness that God allows to be in the bitterness, you know, yeah. like he just makes every effort, you know, if you're looking and if you're ready for him to show up, he definitely shows up. So I was, I think nine years old when my dad had told me the secret. And if you knew me at nine years old, you don't tell me a secret because I don't keep <laughs> secrets. I am have a Caitlin, really hard time. Caitlin is a secrets. very honest person and that includes secrets. I can't lie. Like yes. I don't If I you ask no, her something and it's a secret, she will tell you. Like I have no guile. Like I can't like even try to pretend to like hold something. She in. can't surprise me no. with anything. So like I feel like I'm just being so deceptive, you know? <laughs> or yeah. So um my dad took me a Along to Masters Touch Jewelers in Modesto, and he showed me the box that he was about to, you know, give my mom for her birthday, May or March, March, uh, and he was diagnosed in April. So this is all just very close, you know. In my memory, it's like boom, boom, boom. So um, the the box had a light in it, and it was just 
bigger than anything I had ever seen anybody wearing at that point in my life. I'm just like, this thing is huge. Like, wow. What kind of roofer are you, dad? (laughs) (laughs) So he gave this ring to my mom and just, I mean, just to sweet them, the fact that my mom would give this ring to me, it's just like, well, technically she gave it to me to give to you. The the grief process, you know, just also going into her shoes of her, getting this ring back from the jewelers that was empty because they took the diamonds from it and she got back emptiness, you know, just but like, we have, we have the, right. Yeah, we but have like, the it's ring, not yeah. because now her daughter gets to have that memory and that peace, you know, but just like, I remember you telling and me And that about, was actually, that was her idea was yeah. to, uh, to take the diamonds and for her and I to go down to the jeweler together and, and pick out the ring mm-hmm. that they were going to put them in. So, well, I want to, um, ask one more question with, uh, basically, resources. And I know I talked a little about this and Maureen, you had mentioned you weren't sure what the, um, the name, I think it was the book you had said you were going to recommend. Um, and Caitlin, you had told me, don't voice this, just put a link <laughs> to it. But we are going to have, um, somewhere we'll get a link going. We don't have this yet, but it'll, it, we'll get it, uh, get it working sometime soon here of a list of resources for you. If you are somebody that is dealing with the loss of a loved one, if you're someone that, um, you look like you're about to say something, Maureen, go ahead. Um, I have a long list that I gave Caitlin, and it's about um, grief and near-death books. Okay. And uh, the top one is Grieving the Loss of Someone You Love by Raymond Kitsch and Lynn Brookside. And that book was given to me as a gift when I first became a widow, and she gave it to me, and she was also a widow. Okay. And that has been um, a tremendous asset, and so I recommend that. Is it specifically for a widow? No, it's Or is it, okay. It's just grieving the loss of someone you love. Okay. Um, But it has been a tremendous asset. And so I highly recommend that one. But Caitlin's got a whole list here of books that I All recommend right. to my grief share people. Well, we'll make sure to, to get a, a link. That. Yeah, we'll get a link somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I think Caitlin's going to work on that too. Caitlin's going to help me out a lot with the podcast, especially now that we're expanding um, to more topics. But if you are somebody dealing with loss of a loved one, or if you are possibly somebody who's been diagnosed, um, I know that the church is here for you. We don't want you to deal with that in isolation. There's grief share groups, uh, Stephen ministers. You can come come join us on the weekends or, or online if you're still um, not wanting to leave the house and being a little more cautious with the COVID-19 things. We are still have everything online. Brett and uh, the other guys who do some of the messages, they speak the same messages uh, online as they do your lives. So you're welcome to check that out. That's on YouTube. Also, the Spring Hills podcast is going to be doing a lot of these. This is not going to be a one-time deal. I think I mentioned to Maureen before, I want to um, I want to t- tackle a lot of these tough questions. They're not, it's, podcast is not just going to be uh, fun and games, right? We want to talk about felt needs, things that people are going through. So that's what our goal is now. We're going to keep expanding into this. So we did just do an episode on prayer that'll come out um, this will be on, this will be coming out on Monday, whatever the date is this next Monday, um, um, the 19th, I believe. And then, uh, the prayer podcast will be the following Monday. And on Wednesdays right now, we have the story of spring Hills, which is also really fun. Um, we released the first episode this past Wednesday. I recorded the next episode with Brett and Eve yesterday and, uh, it's just, it's entertaining. I mean, if you know, Brett and Eve, uh, whether you know them personally, or if you've just seen them around on the church campus, they're entertaining, um, as all get out. Like I love talking with them and, and, uh, I can see by the amount of listens that the, the episode of the story of Spring Hills is getting that it's, uh, well one received. of the more popular <laughs> ones. Yeah. So, um, I'm excited to see what the next three episodes have with that too, but we'll also do more on small groups and on Stephen ministry and, and all those things. So, uh, subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Apple podcasts, you can also listen on the Spring Hills app. And if you don't have the Spring Hills app, you're going to know that I say the Spring Hills app. I say app a lot when I say it, talk about it. 
um, because I like to say the word app for some reason. So the Spring Hills app is at the App Store. That's the app that you want to download. And Maureen's pointing at it right now. And I don't know if you know <laughs> this, Maureen, but if you go down here and click on media and you say listen, that's exactly where the podcast is. So you can listen to the podcast Didn't right know. there. Learning something new. Yes, awesome. it is. It's a little hidden on there, but yeah. it is there. Um, Good to know. Yeah, there's some cool things on there, and we're gonna keep. Keep going. Now, also, um, I'm hoping that this video, I'm filming it right now, but I don't know if it's going to work. Last time I filmed it, I messed it up. So we're hoping to make this a video podcast now too, um, which will be (laughs) at first, it'll be on YouTube. So I'll make sure that we let everybody know about that as well. But thank you, Caitlin and Maureen for coming down. Um, We'll have you on again soon to talk more. Some of the grief and uh, Maureen, also Stephen Ministry, um, and just other topics that you guys can uh, have some input in because we want to be here for our church family. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Anything else? Amen. Uh, Amen. Great. All right. Have a, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.